16, as we continue our walk through the scriptures, Exodus 16, and we're going to be navigating through a number of books of the Bible, uh, three to be exact, but we will uh, we'll begin in Exodus 16, that will be our platform. Uh, we, you can have your finger in John 6 and also in John 12, and then in Luke 19. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. It's a day that we commemorate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And that is a significant event, uh, certainly in the prophetic calendar and all of the things that had transpired and the expectation of Messiah to come. By way of reminder, too, Matthew opened the service with John 14, 6, a favorite verse of many, where Jesus said to the one who asked, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus made it simply clear that he was the way. And so with that being said, we'll see that kind of unfold even in today's message. So will you... Uh, follow along with me as I read a number of excerpts out of Exodus chapter 16. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 5, 11 through 15, verse 31, and then verse 35. It says this, And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. So if you remember, it was on the 15th of the first month that they began their exodus after the Passover and that night where the firstborn of all Egypt died. So it has been literally 30 days. 30 days. They've been one month out. And so, verse 2, then the whole congregation, you might underline the word whole, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, oh that, we, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. <laughs> it's funny how quickly they remember and forget. They forget how terrible it was and all they can remember is about the food that they had. And uh, their, their, their thoughts have gone to just that immediate need, if you will. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them or prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So God is giving them some instruction about having bread, and God is gonna provide bread from heaven because they've been complaining. And verses six through 10, Moses talks to the people, and the Lord talks to Moses some more, and they see the glory of the Lord. God says, bring the congregation out and I will show my glory. And he showed his glory in the cloud that was there. And so the glory of God. And we pick up in verse 11 again. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Just want you to resonate with that for a moment. God hears our complaints. He hears our complaints. And here's the beauty. God can handle our complaints. Can someone say amen? That's powerful. 
because there's probably not a person here who doesn't have a complaint. We have something that's nagging on the inside. We're wondering, we're questioning. We're like, ah, it doesn't make sense, God. And he can handle that kind of communication. I want you to know that. But he says these things. He says, I've heard the complaints, so speak to them, saying, at twilight you shall eat meat. At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is this? What is, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And he goes on to give them some instruction, and you'll have to read that on your own at home when you get home today. Read through the rest of those verses uh, from 15 all the way up through 30. And we pick up in 31 again, and it says, And the house of Israel called its name manna. Manna actually just simply means, what is it? What is, what is this stuff? And it was like a white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So some sweet bread. Verse 35, and the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. 40 years, God's provision. Now, it's, it's a fascinating thing, and it's miraculous in so many ways. God supplies bread, and he supplies the bread. Here's, here's one fascinating piece. Gather daily your need. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples to pray? He said, pray this way, give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. And that's a challenge for every one of us, that we would go to God's source for our daily bread. Does that make sense? That we could find sustenance for life by taking and partaking of God's daily bread. Now then, they would do that for six days, and if they kept some of it over in those first six days, they would wake up in the morning and it would stink, literally, and it would be filled with worms. But on the sixth day, they were to gather the same amount, an omer of the manna, and they would double it and carry it over to the seventh day. And on the seventh day, they were to not go out and collect. And that seventh portion, if you will, that double portion, they'd wake up on that Sabbath day and there'd be no worms in it. So you think about the miraculousness of God's provision as well as God's instruction and his direction. You see, the children of Israel didn't obey and didn't follow the rules. They collect, some of them collected more than one day's worth and they woke up in the morning, it was with worms and it stank. And then some also went out on the seventh day to collect, and there was none there. And God had some things to say about the children of Israel because he was, he was testing them there. Will you obey? Will you obey? And I want, I just, by small way of reminder, that's a message for you and I today. As followers of Christ, will we follow? Will we obey? God is more interested in our obedience. Can I get an amen? Than, than any other sacrifice that we might make. It did not delight the Lord in these years of, 
uh, sacrificial giving and sacrificial, uh, the offering of lambs and bulls and rams, that's not what delighted the Lord. What delighted the Lord was when his children obeyed. And it's not, obedience is not so that God can say, well, look how much control I have over these people. No, it had nothing to do with that. God wants to maximally bless his kids and he can only do that when his children are obedient to his word. Does that make sense? So God help each one of us to be followers of the word of God. Well, the first thought, if you will, and we have three, three aspects associated really with Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and he is, he is going to fulfill what we would call the types and the shadows of the elements of the Old Testament where we see these elements of the Passover lamb. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. It's a picture, if you will, and here is the fulfillment. It's a type and the fulfillment. Well, we're gonna see that. So the first point I'm looking at this morning is bread and birds. And I just, by way of reminder for everyone here, the bread and the birds, God hears our daily cries. He hears. So no matter what is going on in your life, talk to the Lord about it. If it's resonant in your heart, acknowledge it before the Lord and talk with him about it. Ask him about it. Lord, what would you like to do in this situation? Or Lord, I need your help. I think that God not only hears, but he delights in the requests of his children. Secondly, God meets our daily needs. Can I get an amen? He supplied, they complained. What about, oh, remember when we used to have all this meat in the pots and bread to the fill? God says, okay, I'm gonna give you meat at night and I'm gonna give you bread to the fill in the morning. I'll meet your daily needs. I will supply. And God will help you and I, and to this very day, he is the one who supplies all of our needs. I remember early on when Kim and I were newlyweds. We had been married uh, just like under, under a month, up to about three or four months of our married life. And we were struggling. I was a student in school. I've told parts of this story before, but I was taking 21 units. I was working two jobs. It was just, it was a brutal time for us. And I remember that we were tight financially, can I get a hand raised if you know what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, we've all experienced that to some measure or another. And we were very, very tight, but we had decided from the very onset that we were gonna honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our increase. And so we wanted to tithe. We wanted to practice the generosity of the Lord and discover what it was like to be generous in a greater way. So we set aside to tithe, and we didn't have the money to tithe. In fact, I remember we actually paid some bills on a credit card so that we could honor God with our tithing. And we, you, you can see the end of that, right? I mean, how long can you do that until the thing just gets insurmountable? But here I was a student. I had two more months of school, and then I was gonna be applying for jobs. I was gonna graduate and apply for jobs. So I graduated that December, and we were behind and we were paying bills on a credit card and we were giving to the Lord. We we're gonna honor God. God, this is yours. The first fruits belong to you. Before we do anything else, we're gonna honor your word because your word says you will supply all of our need and give us this day our daily bread. And I remember uh, on January 26th, I went down to Portland State. I, I didn't have a job yet and I went up into the 
little area where they have job placement stuff going on. There was a little piece of paper on the wall, and I got a photocopy of that piece of paper, and it said that the application for this particular job was it needed to be postmarked January 26th. Well, I had to go all the way back to our house, which was far away. I had to wait till 5 o'clock to pick my wife up from work. And then we made our way back to our house. And I had an old, you remember the old little brother typewriters that you could actually program? And you would be typing, and it would be trying to catch up to you. And, it would, and here I was typing a cover letter. I got the cover letter done probably by 8 o'clock that night. We ate some food. And I remember trying to type an envelope. You remember we put the envelope in there? And uh, got it all stamped and addressed and so forth and so on. Licked it, put my resume in there with it. And it was the same type of paper, and the paper matched the envelope. I mean, this was really professional looking. And we put the stamp on it. And by about 10 o'clock, we realized, well, it needs to be postmarked today. So we got to drive downtown and slip it into the mailbox at the post office downtown Portland. And I remember we got down there, and it was legitimately like 11, it was like 11.30 at night, right, Kimmy? It was about 11.30, and we're like, oh, God, if this is it, will you help get this into the hands of the one who will make the decisions? And we slipped it into the box. We drove home. And I say this, and I won't go into all the details because it is absolutely miraculous. It ended up in the right person's hands. They went into the office on a Sunday afternoon. The mail had been delivered on Saturday. They just picked up this scoop. It was down in Emeryville, California. She went into the corporate office, picked up the mail that had you know, gotten dropped in the slot on Saturday. She just thumbed through it, saw the resume, my resume. She took it on the airplane. She opened it up, flying up here. And when she arrived in Portland, she handed it to the secretary, and she said, see if you can get a hold of this guy. We have two open slots. She called the secretary. Now, this is the amazing piece, and this is the provision of God. And God, because when you honor God, he will honor his word. And what happened was we were so, are you ready for this? We were so desperate. I remember looking at the phone bill saying, what is this call waiting thing that we spend an extra buck 50 a month on? Cancel that thing. There's no way we need the buck 50 for something else. And it was put on me to make the phone call because Kim was working during the business hours of the day. She couldn't call from work. So I was supposed to call the phone company and cancel call waiting. And it was like this new thing, right? How many of you remember when call waiting was a new thing? Okay. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Some of you weren't born yet. But anyway... I forgot to call. And so I had had an interview that morning. I came home because it went well and it went fast. And I came home and I thought, well, I'm just going to call Kim real quick and let her know because I had been offered a job at a printing company. And I, my family owns a printing business down in California. I had many, many years. And so that went well. But while I'm on the phone with her, I get that little click on the phone. I'm like, ah, I didn't cancel the call waiting. And I clicked over and it was that, company of the resume that I had sent on the 26th. Now, had my interview not gone well, or had my interview taken a little bit more time, I would have never had time to go home because I had another appointment in the afternoon. But because it went well, I came home, and I would have never gotten the phone call had I canceled the call waiting. But I got the phone call, and I took the last available interview, which was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so I went to my next appointment, and then I came home, and I I actually put on a suit. I, had, I legitimately had no idea what this company even did. I am blind. I'm like going into an interview blind. I have no idea. So if they ask me any questions about them, I'm going to say, yeah, no, I don't know anything about you. Anyway, I go to this interview, and at the end of the day, 
I was offered a job. And God, God took that humble start and he did something absolutely amazing over the next nine years. And I say that to say, within very short order of just simply honoring God and putting him first, he was taking care of our daily needs. And so this is an encouragement to everybody here. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of your increase, yes. But more importantly, know that God is faithful and that he will meet your needs. He will meet your needs, your daily needs. Make them known to him and he will meet your daily needs. And be reminded that God sustains them long term. For 40 years, he supplied bread and quail, bread and meat, bread and birds. Manna, the bread from heaven, sustained life. It is a shadow and a type of the true bread from heaven, which we're going to look at in just a moment. And Moses, the prophet of God, that God raised up as a deliverer, he also is a shadow and a type of the true prophet that God would raise up in his son Jesus. So a couple questions for us to reflect on. Do you have complaints against your current circumstances? Anybody here got some complaints? It's okay to raise your hand and say, yeah, I got some complaints and my stuff going on. Yeah, sure. Do we realize that these are actually complaints against the Lord? Lord, I'm not very happy with where I am right now. It kind of stinks. It's like that manna with worms. I don't really like it very much. Sometimes we complain about our boss. Sometimes we complain about the driver next to us. Whatever it is, recognize that in all things, God is working, and God is working in us. He's working in our hearts, and it's in those times of trying and proving that he's revealing the dross in our lives. And so, what if we looked at our circumstances differently? What if, instead of beginning with what we don't have and what we don't like, if we began to enumerate the things that we do have and all of the daily provisions that God is taking care of for us? Anybody, when was the last time you thanked God for your vision? How many of us are thankful that we see in color and not black and white? And the brightness of the colors that we see in the spring and how green the grass can be. What about the oxygen that we breathe? Aren't you thankful that 23% of it is oxygen and some 70% is, or 72% or whatever it is is nitrogen? I mean, those are important things for us, right? I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And let's, if we begin to enumerate, we're going to get so massive on God's actual provision in our daily living, we'll be overwhelmed with thanksgiving. We used to sing the hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. Give us this day our daily bread. How might complaints be converted to thanksgiving? Well, let's move on. So referring to the bread from heaven, this manna, John chapter 6 reveals manna's type, if you will, which is Jesus. Manna is an actual event and an occurrence, but the scripture says these things happened and they are examples for us. That Greek word in the New Testament for examples is typos. It's a type. It's a shadow. And it is telling us about some future fulfillment, if you will. Well, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the manna shadow. So in John chapter 6, the people of Israel, uh, they actually make reference to this portion of text out of Exodus chapter 16. They reference, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. That's what the people will say. 
So John chapter 6 begins with this great multitude of people following Jesus. And the reason they're following Jesus is because they saw these signs and wonders and these marvelous things. And it was a great multitude. And Jesus, seeing the crowd, he asks one of his disciples, Philip, he says, uh, say, Philip, where do you suppose we should buy bread for all these folks? And Philip's like, what? There's like... So many people, you, we'd need 200 days wages to feed this people. And about that time, Andrew pops up and says, hey, Jesus, here's this little guy over here, and he's got like five loaves of bread and a couple fish. But what, what would that do for a crowd this size? And uh, Jesus says, have the folks sit down. And as they are sitting, there's enumerated some 5,000 men and the 5,000 men are accompanied by women and children. And so we don't have exact numbers, but Jesus giving thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to the disciples and said, pass it out. And pass it out to all the folks so that until they're filled and then collect up what's left over so that nothing goes to waste. And they collected up 12 baskets full. And so the people claim, this is the prophet. This is the prophet. Now, to you and I, we're like, ah, what does that mean? But to them, they were quoting Moses. They were quoting Moses, who in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, he said, God would raise up a prophet like unto me, and he will teach you. Later, he said, you will be taught by God. Even Jesus said this. And so the people uh, really forcibly wanted to make Jesus king right there on the spot. They're like, this crowd, 5,000, they're going to force. He is the prophet. He's the one. He's it. Let's make him king right now. And so Jesus slips away privately. And so he was gone for quite some time, so his disciples got into a boat and they began to cross the sea of Tiberias toward Capernaum. And Jesus, that night, walks on water to meet them. Of course, we know that story. And so they welcomed Jesus into the boat. And it, there's an am amazing reality. They had been rowing out there and, uh, for three, four miles and uh, it, as soon as Jesus got in the boat, the text tells us that immediately they were at the shore of where they were going. That's something. That's just something. Uh, and so the next day, the people are kind of perplexed. They're like, well, only one boat left, and Jesus wasn't in the boat. Where's Jesus? And this big crowd, they're like, ah, let's all get in these other boats, and let's get over and go find him. And so they go looking for him. And when they arrive, they see Jesus, and they sit like, Bro, how did you even get here? How'd you get here? Jesus answered and said to them, verse 26, Most assuredly I say to you, you do not seek me because you saw the signs, but because of the loaves and you were filled. So these are like, they woke up in the morning like, uh, what are we going to have for breakfast? Where's Jesus? Maybe he'll feed us. We got that like drive through meal yesterday. Maybe we'll get some more grub today. And Jesus says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. If there's a verse to underline in your Bible, I would encourage you, this would be one of those verses that you could underline. Do not labor for food which perishes. And let's not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, 
but labor for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Again, this is one of those magnanimous verses that you could have underlined and memorized in your Bible. This, Jesus says, this is the work of God. This is it. Believe. Believe in him whom he, the Father, has sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? As if the bread and the fish wasn't enough. Hey, show us another sign. What work will you do? <laughs> like feed us, will you? Give us some food this morning. Then they actually say, and this is where they quote, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Can you imagine what's happening here? They're like, hey, come on. I mean, you're saying believe and blah, 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 and you're the one and blah. Could you show us another sign? Like we're kind of hungry right now. Let me, let me try and manipulate you, Jesus. Our fathers ate manna in heaven, and well, hey, God was going to send the bread from heaven, so come on, take care of us. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father, he gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, oh Lord, give us this bread always. They're not getting it. They're still thinking about their stomachs. Pause there for a moment. They're not getting it. They're still thinking about the natural, in the natural. Jesus is speaking spiritual words here, and they're not getting it. This is our opportunity to get even the spiritual words that Jesus is speaking. He's talking about things that are more important. Does that make sense? There's some deeper things here at work. Deeper things here at work. Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven to do, to, uh, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 41. Then the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus? the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at that last day. It is written in the, pro- in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. 
I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they are dead. He's giving them a clue here. This, the manna thing and the bread and the food that you're seeking right now to fill your belly, it's not the thing that will give you real life. That will lead to death as natural man dies. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that, the one, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Here he was referring to himself and his crucifixion that would be occurring. So the bread and the prophet, the second point or aspect, if you will. The bread and the prophet. The people declared, this is the prophet, and Jesus recognizing, uh, certainly in knowing, that he is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses said. So Jesus, he is the prophet. Now, manna, bread from heaven, that God would provide, it's to sustain life, but it's the physical life, and it's this life here on earth. Jesus, he is the type, he fulfills the type. Manna, sustenance for today and living. Jesus, sustenance for today and unto everlasting life. Supernatural, spiritual. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. How many of us want to know that we can live forever? How many of us want to know that our names are written in God's book in heaven, that we will spend eternity with him? Hey, if anyone eats this bread, if anyone consumes the word of God, the bread of life given for the life of the world, Jesus offered himself as this living bread. He offered himself and died for the sin of the world, so that the world through him might have life and have life everlasting. So a couple quick questions for us to reflect on, just thinking this way. Have you partaken of the bread of life today? Have you partaken of the bread of life? Is your faith and your hope in the one who is the bread of life? This is Jesus. Is your faith and hope and trust in Jesus? Have you partaken? Do you know do you know, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, do you know that you possess eternal life? Are you absolutely certain today? Because if you're not, you can be. You can be. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, these things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. That word know there in the Greek is gnosis. I'm sure I butchered the pronunciation there. But it means to know experientially. I possess eternal life. I suppose everybody here has at least questioned once or twice. How many of you have come home and no one's home? And you're like, did I miss the trumpet? <laughs> Wait a minute. 
make a quick phone call or a text. Oh, whew, I know they're going. <laughs> they answered, yes. And maybe you haven't had thoughts like that, and God bless you. I know that many have thought that way. We need not. We can know, and we really can know for sure. But if you are concerned and you're worried, today is the day to make that certainty, to know that your name is written in this book, and to believe. So, Jesus himself has revealed that he is the true bread from heaven. All the people of Israel had declared that he is the prophet. He reveals true bread, which is the bread of life. He reveals, again, true prophet, declaring he is truth. So Jesus fulfills the type of the bread from heaven. He also fulfills the type of the prophet from heaven. The true bread, the true prophet. And on the Palm Sunday, the Palm Sunday, the Palm Sunday that began all Palm Sunday remembrances, on that day, it is revealed that he is the true Messiah. So John 12, verses 12 through 15, it'll be on the screen or if you have your finger there. If I go a few minutes long today, please forgive me, it would be normal. Uh, Thanks for your grace. Uh, John 12, verses 12 through 15. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees. This would be the title of today's message, Sticks and Stones, part one. It's coming from this last or third point. Branches, sticks of palm trees, if you will. And went out to meet him, cried out, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Hosanna. Then Jesus, when he had found a donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Quoting the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9. Now, going over to Luke, the 19th chapter, Give you a moment to turn there. Write it down in your notes. We'll begin in verse 36 where they put their clothes on the road. And so as Jesus is now riding on the donkey, he's making his way into Jerusalem, if you will. He's on that road toward. And it says, as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, in case we don't understand the significance of what is transpiring, and any time You wonder in Scripture when you read in the Gospels, huh, I wonder what's really going on here. All one needs to do is look at what the response of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Sanhedrin would be. You look at their response, it will be telltale to us what actually is occurring here. Because this is a very massive event. And some of the Pharisees called out to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
tell your disciples to stop. Why would they have said that? Because the proclamations that the people were making, they were declaring and revealing Jesus is Messiah. Behold, your king comes to you riding on a donkey's colt. On this particular day, remember they tried to make him king earlier and he slipped away because it wasn't his time. But on this day, this particular day, Jesus sent his disciples on in front of them and said, go up here, you're going to see a house, there'll be a donkey and a foal tied up. Untie it, bring the foal to me. And if the owner comes out of the house, you say to the owner, the Lord has need of it. And sure enough, the two disciples go out, they see the donkeys as Jesus had told them, they untie the donkey, the foal, and they begin to walk away and out comes the owner and says, Say, fellas, what are you doing taking the donkey? And they turned around and they said, the Lord has need of it. He says, take it away. Jesus sat upon the donkey on that particular day. And on that day, the Pharisees acknowledged and saw because of the words that were, were being spoken, Hosanna to the king, Messiah king, that the people were declaring and the Pharisees were saying, stop. You can't do that because they didn't know and believe that he was Messiah. And this was a blasphemous act. And Jesus' response is profound. But he answered, verse 40, and said to them, I tell you that if these, these people, if these people should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones, the rocks would cry out, Hosanna. Verse 41, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, this day, Jesus is telling the folks, you should have known this day. Now, for most of us, we don't even realize what calendar day this is. Some of us who are students of God's word might remember and recall, this is the 10th of Nisan. And on the 10th of Nisan, every single person who has journeyed and made their way to Jerusalem has brought with them a lamb. And that lamb was to be inspected and they were going to bring it into their homes for the next four days until the 14th of Nisan, which is Passover. The day of inspection. And Jesus Christ himself was going to be inspected and found without fault, without blemish. In fact, the Pharisees on this day while questioning him, they ceased to ask him any more questions because they couldn't catch him because he was perfect, without blemish. If you had known this thy day, this thy day, the 10th of Nisan, actually has tremendous bearing. And we'll look at this very quickly this morning. So the third point would be sticks and stones or the sticks and the stones. The palm branches and the rocks. Branches and boulders if you're like something like that. Anyway, here we go. The people cut the branches from the palm trees declaring Hosanna, blessed is the king. 
declaring Jesus to be Messiah the King. The donkey ride, fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Your king is coming, riding on the foal, riding on the foal of a donkey. Donkey's colt. Declaring Jesus to be Messiah the King, the fulfillment of the prophet. It's perfect. The stones would immediately cry out, Jesus said. The stones crying out. If these should keep silent, the stones will cry out. Why? Why would the stones have cried out? This thy day. You see, that day, what about that day? There's more to it than the 10th of Nisan. You see, there's a prophecy, an ancient prophecy found in the book of Daniel in the ninth chapter. And that prophecy in the ninth chapter of Daniel is probably one of the most profound Old Testament prophecies regarding Messiah. And there are over 300 messianic prophecies, but Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, the most profound. And why it's so profound is because there's an actual timeline that is initiated and given, and the amount of time that will pass until. And so, turn your attention to Daniel chapter 9. I said there was only four books that we were going to be in today, and Daniel's the fourth. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. This is Gabriel. The angel Gabriel shows up and says to Daniel, Daniel, beloved Daniel, your prayers have been heard and I've come to give a word, to give an answer, to give a prophecy. And he says, behold, 70 weeks are determined for your people, that is the people of Israel, and for the holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end to sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. It's messianic. Verse 25, now therefore, know and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Messiah is about to be cut off from our text. And we are given in this prophecy from the time of the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. Until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Seven sevens is 49 years, and 62 sevens is 434 years. It's a total of 483 years from the time of the going forth of the commandment to rebuild the walls. We know when that is. The book of Nehemiah in your Bible and my Bible starts off with the date. It tells us when it is, and it is there that King Artaxerxes gives the commandment to go and restore and rebuild Jerusalem, and Nehemiah initiates that work. If you looked it up in Encyclopedia Britannica, you would discover that it was in the spring of 445 B.C. Really smart people, smarter than I am, have done the actual calculations. You see, this was based on a lunar calendar and a 360-day calendar of the Babylonians because they were in Babylonian captivity. And you do the math, 483 years times 360 days, it, equ it equates to 173,880 days to the day. And so from this day... 173,880 days 
we come to the triumphal entry. And God fulfilled this prophecy in Daniel until Messiah the Prince is revealed. And on that day, the people, Hosanna, blessed is the king. And they said, Jesus, stop. And he said, this day if these were silent, the rocks would have to cry out because on this day, I have determined to reveal Messiah. Jesus is Messiah, the true Messiah. He is the life, the true bread of life, and he is the prophet that was declared would come. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. So, a couple quick questions to think and process. What about you and I? Have we cut down palm branches, brought our sticks, and made a to-do about Messiah Jesus in our lives? I don't know all about what this might look like for you. We don't cut palm branches down and wave them in the air and go, hallelujah! But we do something that's out of the ordinary when we make Jesus known. We make Jesus known publicly as they did. I wanna encourage and challenge every one of us to make more of a deal about Jesus in our lives publicly. That we would be real extrovertish about, I am a Christ follower. I'm a Jesus guy. Or if you're a girl, I'm a Jesus girl. And let people know. It was, that it was unmistaken that the other crowd, they were upset about what was happening with this crowd that was following Jesus. Hey, Jesus said, be leery when all men speak well of you. We should be making a stir. We should be making a bit of a stir. Do the stones have to do your work for you? Do the stones have to cry out? I just want to encourage you, don't, don't lean on the stones. Stand on the rock and let them be known. Let them be known. So, today is an afterglow Sunday. I know they said we were changing the name. I like to hold on to that name. So 1970s. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> couple, couple just thoughts from today. Is he Lord in your life? Does his lordship invade every area of your life? Have you yielded to this one who is the way, the truth, and the life? He wants to invade every area of our life. That his lordship, we would be submitted to his will, to his purposes in our lives. And it really does bring about change in our life, and it's change for the good. Can I get an amen? But everybody knows that no change is comfortable. It's not comfortable. But God wants to bring about change in our lives so that we can experience more of the abundance that God has for us. And if we would get those spiritual words, he says, I'm, I'm not talking about what you're going to eat today for lunch. I mean, you're going to the afterglow and there's going to be meat lover's pizza. 
Can I get an amen? Just kidding. It's, it's something more than that. There's spiritual food. And when we consume the spiritual food, it becomes a part of who we are. And it begins to bring about transformation from the inside. God's DNA begins to work in us different. Where our will can become a reflection of his will. And those fruit in our individual lives can be being made manifest on a daily, on a daily basis. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things can be the normal fruit. If you'd like more of that fruit working in you, you'd say, you know, Pastor, I'm trusting Jesus for my salvation. But this whole becoming holy thing, I struggle with it. Well, you'd be, you'd be in the boat with the rest of us, right? I mean, can we just get an acknowledgement? That's the stuff that we struggle with, becoming more like Jesus. And the scripture says we're to be changed from glory to glory into the image of the only begotten. Being changed, transformed, the renewing of our minds by the washing of the water of the word of God. How many of us would like a little cleansing from the ear to ear? Get, get this thing up here the, in the noggin, just thinking a little bit clearer, thinking a little more healthy, not having wrong thoughts, right? That means we're a candidate for change. So I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. It's, I'm four minutes over our normal expected stop time. We're just going to pray. I'm gonna invite uh, maybe Pastor Dennis and Jill just to some music, uh, some soft music in the background. The rest of the worship team, you can stay, and these guys will just, they'll pick up a little bit. I just wanna give you the opportunity. You're here, you know Christ, and it's not like you necessarily have big struggles going on. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. No one's, no one's wondering like, oh, I saw so-and-so raise their hand. Let me take the pressure off. I'm raising my hand to start. Okay, it's easy. I got stuff. God's working in my life. Someone say amen. My wife is like over there going, amen. <laughs> if I see any of my kids doing that, they're in trouble. But It makes it easy because we all need God to work. But if, we were, if we'll respond to the Lord, there's opportunity for him because we're agreeing. When we make an agreement, God meets us right there. Draw near to me, he says, and I will draw near to you. And so if you're a candidate for that lordship work, a candidate to have Christ more in the seat of Lord in your life. So it'd be like you kind of getting off of the throne and saying, all right, Jesus, come on over here. Sit here and I'm gonna yield to you. That's you. And you say, I just want more of that in my life. I want more of the Lordship of Jesus. Will you just indicate that to me by raising your hand? Just raise your hand. Come on, hands all over the place. Yeah, pretty much everybody. And if your hand's down, we're praying for you anyway. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we're candidates. We want the bread of life. Oh, God, yes, we want manna because we want to actually live and enjoy a taste in our mouths and so forth and so on. And we want your daily provisions, etc. But Lord, what we really want is we want the bread of life and we want to consume.
the bread of life, that it becomes part of the DNA of who we are and because it is that which will endure into eternal life. And Lord, we're not gonna be satisfied today with the person whom you are working in us. No, we want God your end. What is it that you want us to become that we would change from glory to glory into the image of the only begotten of the Father, Jesus? the bread of life from heaven. And we want Jesus, you the true prophet, to speak truth into our lives. Lord, where we base our lives on things that are sinking sand, when we build on that foundation of Jesus with wood, hay, and straw, Lord, will you help us to stop building with things that will be consumed, but Lord, to build with gold and silver and precious stones, so to speak, that will not be consumed by the fire. Oh, work truth in our lives. May your word, which is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrate and divide between the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow, and reach into the inner man and reveal to us the motives and the intents of our hearts. The motives and the intent. And God, where our motive is wrong, Lord, may we allow change to be produced in our lives for your glory and for your namesake. Bring truth, oh God. Then ultimately, Lord, you are the way. You are Messiah King. Your way. Your word tells us that it, to every man his way seems right in his own eyes, but it is you who weighs the hearts. Lord, we want your ways, not our ways. So will you show and show us the way. Teach us your way everlasting, as the psalmist said. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, that's the way we want to go, like the psalmist said. Lead us. Teach us. We're all candidates. We raised our hands and said, yes, Holy Spirit. This week, I pray this week as we arise in the morning and we're looking for that daily bread, that like the children of Israel, we kind of get out of bed and move toward the bread of heaven, the word of God. And we would break open the bread giving thanks and we'd begin to consume the word of God and let it become part of the fabric of who we are. Lord, will you use the washing of the water of the word to bring transformation in our lives for your glory and for your namesake. God, will you go before us as we break this church facility down Thank you that we get to leave everything up on stage this week during spring break. But Lord, as many hands make light work, may we get chairs stacked and things kind of broken down so that we can get over to some fellowship around pizza and Coke and fellowship. God be glorified. May this week we be salt and light, proclaim and invite people to come Easter Sunday. We love you. And Lord, if there's anyone here who said, you know, when you said those words, Pastor, if you're born again, if you're already trusting Jesus, and maybe you found yourself here saying, I don't know that I'm actually even trusting Jesus right now. And you'd like to know for sure that your sin is forgiven. You'd like to know for sure that your name is written in the book of life. With eyes still closed and heads bowed. If that's you and you'd like to Profess Christ, perhaps for the very first time this morning, professing him and saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. 
Because the word of God says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts, God, that you raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. You cancel our sin debt. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And if that's you and you'd say yes to Jesus, say, yes, I want to receive Jesus. Will you simply indicate that with eyes closed and head bowed just by raising your hand and say, that's me. I want to invite Christ into my life. I'm just going to look across the auditorium real quick. I see that hand. God bless you. You can put that hand down. God bless you. Is there somebody else? Somebody else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, for this one who's raised their hand, and they said, I just want to know, I want to declare, and I want to receive Christ. Father, we together as the family, brothers and sisters with this new family member, we declare, Jesus is Lord. Let's say that together. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. God, we believe you raised him from the dead. And this coming Sunday, we'll celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We believe it. So we welcome you into the family of God and we thank God for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would invite you to come down right after service and Pastor Dennis and Pastor Matt will be right up front. They have some instruction and encouragement for you. Let's go. Will you help and stay and kind of break some things down and then let's make our way over to Round Table Pizza for Afterglow. The Lord bless you and keep you and have an amazing week in Jesus.